You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. We're looking at uh, two Bible verses which seem to contradict each other. The first from that first reading, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him, and he will make your path straight. So there's the message. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And the second from Proverbs chapter 6. Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. Well, you know what it is to trust in the Lord with all your heart, I hope. That is, you trust in him entirely. To trust in the Lord with all your heart is to trust in the Lord with everything that you are because in the Bible your heart includes your mind, your emotions, your hopes, your fears, your desires, everything you are. So the instruction is very clear, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But you might think, well, if I trust in the Lord with all my heart, why do I need to learn from ants of all things? Because they're always so busy. If you look at an ant, they're tremendously active young little critters, always on the move, always on the lookout for food, and as we're told here, not only thinking of today, but preparing for tomorrow as well. Well, isn't this contradictory from the same book of the Bible? Trust in the Lord, don't worry, trust in the Lord. And don't be a slacker, work hard. It's a great challenge, isn't it? Because the challenge in chapter 3 of Proverbs is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just a bit of your heart, but all of your heart. And I think that's a really big challenge. Don't you find that when you are trusting God, still there were little pockets of not trust still in your mind uh, or in your heart or in your feelings. So you might think, well, I'm going to trust in the Lord, but there's a bit of doubt holding you back. Trusting in the Lord means trusting in the Lord completely and absolutely and universally and entirely. Well, I often get lost when I'm driving, and I got lost this morning. Let me tell you why I got lost. I was partly depending on my memory and my instinct, but I also had a lady next to me telling me which way to go. Well, it wasn't a real lady. It was a, what they call a nav person, I think is the right expression. So uh, She's a very nice lady, and she's very patient with me, and when I take the wrong turn, she pauses and then she says, 
very politely, when convenient, do a U-turn, which means you've messed it up again. Well, I was half trusting my own memory and half trusting the lady, and so I got lost, of course. What we're called to, to do, you see, is to trust in the Lord, as the writer says, with all your heart, absolutely, completely, universally. It's quite a challenge. I find that I can trust, well, on a good day, I can trust the Lord for my own life, but I often find it hard to trust the Lord for other people's lives. When I see people uh, going to their death for being a Christian around the world today, when I see friends of mine in great trouble, I often find it hard to trust the Lord for them. Or I might find that I trust the Lord for uh, my salvation, but I find it hard to trust the Lord about the COVID crisis. So often we can trust the Lord in one part of our life, but find it hard to trust the Lord for other parts of our life. But here is the challenge. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That is, you'll, if you trust him with all your heart, then in all your ways, you'll know him. You'll trust him in everything you do. And he will make your paths straight. What a great and uh, powerful challenge that is. Now, you might be a naturally kind of trusting person. In that case, I suppose, you'll find it easier to trust the Lord, won't you? But then you might also trust other people rather than the Lord. So if you're a trusting person, please make sure that all your trust is focused in the Lord God because he is the only one who won't let you down. He's the only one who's eternal. He's the only one who is pure love and pure light and pure compassion and pure wisdom. As I often say to people, well, the one thing you can do is trust God. You may not be able to trust yourself or other people. The one thing you can do is trust God. But you might also be someone who finds it hard to trust. Perhaps you've been betrayed in the past. You're, you don't naturally trust people. Well, I hope that your trust in God will grow because he is all-powerful and all-wise and all-loving and full of compassion and understanding. He's the one person you can trust completely. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your paths straight. But that's not enough. Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. 
the old translation of you slacker was you sluggard, which I rather enjoyed. A sluggard is someone who's, well, like a slug, I guess, though I don't know that slugs are always very calm and restful, but anyway, go to the end, you slacker, go to the end, you sluggard. When I was a teenager and used to spend a lot of time asleep, my father would say, you're, <laughs> you're lazing like a lizard, which was rather nice. I liked that because lizards laze rather nicely, don't they? And you, you've seen a lizard, haven't you, in the sun, kind of stretched out and just enjoying themselves. Well, that's what I was trying to do as a teenager. And my father was saying, get up and do, do your homework or mow the lawn or something like that. I, I had an infinite number of excuses for not mowing the lawn. It was the grass was too short or was too long or the lawn was too wet or the lawnmower wasn't working or something. And my father's uh, exhortations and encouragements were to get off my bed and get working. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest and your poverty will come like a robber and your need like a bandit, as we read in Proverbs 6. So we need to be people who trust the Lord with all our heart, but also know how to take responsibility and to work. You can't say, well, I'm going to trust God so I needn't work. But nor should you say, I'm going to work so hard I won't need to trust God. The key, you see, is to do both, to trust the Lord completely and to work responsibly. Now, you might need more of chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, or you might need more of chapter 6, go to the ant, you slacker observe its ways and become wise. Or perhaps you might need a bit of both, more of both, more trust and more disciplined work. When I think about our Western society, I suspect that what we've done is to overdose on the working hard thing taking responsibility and we find it harder to trust God. When something goes wrong, we, we jump to attention and try and fix things. Uh, that's true of people who aren't Christians, of course, because if there's no God to trust, then you have to sort things out yourself. But I, I think that seeps into people's Christian lives as well. We can become doers rather than askers. We can try and fix things rather than looking for God's wisdom. We can jump in and not ask what is God doing in this situation. I find that a very easy thing to do. In a way we need to go back to Genesis 1, don't we, with that great picture of God, the maker of the universe, making humans in his own image and giving them responsibility. But it's not 
an absolute responsibility for the universe or for the world. It's a dependent responsibility. They can't think, well, it's up to us to solve every problem because finally only God can solve every problem. And yet they can't slack off and think, well, we'll leave it up to God and we don't have to do anything. Uh, hands up if you had breakfast this morning. Anybody have breakfast this morning? Some people did. That's very encouraging. Some people didn't. Must be a discipline of some kind. Well, here's two ways of thinking about breakfast. You could go down and sit at your breakfast table and say, God, I'm trusting you to provide breakfast this morning. And sit there and wait for breakfast to happen. Well, God might miraculously provide your breakfast, but I suspect the more usual way for God to provide your breakfast is that Millie the cow gets milked somewhere and somebody puts Millie's milk into a bottle and then, or sorry, carton nowadays, isn't it? And then uh, you buy it from the shop and take it home and somebody else is growing corn somewhere and somebody makes it into cornflakes and puts it in a box and you go to the shop and buy the box and then you have to get the milk out of the fridge and the box out of the cupboard and put the milk in the box. No, sorry, you put the, you know what I mean. Anyway, and you get your breakfast. But is, is that just thanks to Millie and the corn growers and the shop owners and you? No, it isn't, is it? Because who keeps Millie alive? God does. Who makes corn grow? God does. Who gives people ability to milk cows? God does. Who gives people the ability to make boxes? God does. Who provides your, uh, you with money to buy milk and cornflakes? God does. And who gives you the energy and memory to put the milk and the cornflakes together? God does. And who helps you to digest it? God does. And who gives you strength by your digesting cornflakes and milk? The answer is God does. So breakfast, you see, is a wonderful combination, isn't it, of trusting God and people working hard to provide it. It's not just God, nor is it just people. It's actually both. That's the way God has ordered his universe. That's the kind of universe he runs in which he rules everything and provides everything but we have to take responsibility humans have to take responsibility uh, and we have to do things if you don't buy your cornflakes and don't buy your milk then you'll run out or if you haven't got the money to buy cornflakes or milk uh, then you won't have any breakfast Now, why is this important for us? I think there are two weaknesses uh, within the Christian church. One is people who trust God in order to avoid making decisions and working hard and taking responsibility. Those who use God as a reason not to make decisions, to put off making decisions, 
and not to do hard work. But then there's another strand, I think, within the church, within Christianity. Uh, Those people tend to take too much responsibility and not let God be God. Sort things out rather than depending on God for his strength and for his wisdom. Now, Proverbs, of course, is part of the Old Testament. But let me just point out that the way the writer of Proverbs thinks about relating to God is the way in which we should relate to Jesus. So Jesus says in John 14, you trust in God, trust also in me. So we should be trusting not only in God, the provider of everything, without whom the whole universe would disappear like that. If, if God lost attention, there'd be nothing left. See. But we have to also trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord. So we have to grow in our trust. We trust in the Lord with all our heart. We have to trust in Jesus with all our heart as well for his forgiveness for his compassion and kindness, for the gift of eternal life, for his gift of the Holy Spirit. But as Jesus makes it clear in many of his parables, we also have to be good stewards. Do you remember that, what, that wonderful line at the end of one of Jesus' parables, well done, good and faithful servant? So we have to be people who trust in Jesus, but also serve him. But it's not that we either do one or the other. No, our serving has to be trusting serving rather than panicking serving. Do you know what I mean? If you're not trusting God, then your work for God, your work for Christ will be uh, full of stress and panic because it's all up to you. No, the clue is to hold the two together so that we both trust God and also work for him. Now I've got some uh, little circles which might help us understand this in terms of prayer. Let me talk to you about praise-filled, thanks-filled and trust-filled praying. This is a commercial, by the way, for praise-filled thanks-filled and trust-filled praying. When I was younger, I used to pray last thing at night and I'd bring all my concerns to God and then continue worrying about them (laughs) for the next couple of hours, which wasn't quite the way to do things. So what I've learned is that I need to preface my prayers of intercession when I'm asking God with praise for God thanks to God and trust in God. So, something like this. I'm about to pray for somebody who's ill. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you that all human life is in your hand and that you're the giver of life and health. I thank you that you've answered many prayers for healing in the past for this person. And I'm now praying Trust, I'm full of trust in you 
that you'll care for him or her, whoever it is, and so I'm now going to pray for that person. So what I do is not just feel praise and thanks and trust, but I actually say it to God. And if I say it to God, I feel it more. And if I say it to God, then, uh, I, then my intercession, my prayer for something, is then in the light of who God is, not just in the light of the need. So I'm trying to increase my trusting praying rather than my worrying praying. Do you see that? So, less praise-filled, thanks-filled, trust-filled praying leads to too much responsibility. I have to solve the problem or I have to pray enough to make this person better. But then too much responsibility will then lead to less praise-filled, thanks-filled, trust-filled praying because I'm too busy worrying about it and trying to solve the problem myself. But the more praise-filled, thanks-filled, trust-filled praying we do, the more we know that we're just God's fellow workers. Well, no, we are God's fellow workers, but we're God's fellow workers. It's not just up to us, it's God who is working in us and through us and through other people to answer our prayers. We'll have the next uh, slide, thank you. Uh, here's the same idea expressed in different ways. The less praise-filled, thanks-filled, trust-filled praying we do, the more stressed we will be. And the more stressed we are, then the less praise-filled, thanks-filled, trust-filled praying we will do. The more praise-filled, thanks-filled, trust-filled praying we do, the less stressed we will be. And that will enable us to do more praise-filled, thanks-filled, trust-filled praying. You see, praying is a way of both taking responsibility, I'm praying for this person to get better, but also an expression of our trust in God. But we need to make sure that our praying is full of trust in God, praise for who God is, thanks for God's many answers to prayer in the past. Otherwise, our praying will become worry praying rather than trusting praying. So what we have to do, let me say it again, is both trust in the Lord with all our heart and also not be slackers, that wonderful Australian word, don't be a slacker. But then the work we do has to be, and the, pray we, the prayers we pray have to be trust-filled work and prayer, not stress-filled work and prayer, or worry-filled work or prayer but praise-filled, thanks-filled, trust-filled work and prayer. One thing I've learned from, uh, from Paul is how often when he, he writes to somebody, he says, I'm praying for you, first of all, he says, I'm thanking God for you and praying. 
I found that so useful. Every time I'm praying for someone, I try to remember to thank God for them. Because the moment I thank God for them, I'm then my heart is enlarged to think how wonderful God has been to this person, how graciously he's cared for them, and how wonderfully he's used them, and so that, in, that, in, that enthuses and enriches my praying for them, because I know God's already been at work in their life, and so I'll then pray that God will continue that work. Now, I've been talking about people as individuals, but you might also like to ask the question, what is our church like? Are we a church together who trust in the Lord with all our heart? I hope you are, because there's no one else to trust. No one else is trustworthy, except our great and powerful and wise and loving God. I hope you're a church who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must trust in Christ to be a Christian. To be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian, is to trust in Christ. But I also hope you're a church who knows how to work hard and take responsibility and not just think, well, we'll sit back and see what happens. But actually, as I, as I could see from the, uh, cancel the, the what, cancel the debt? That was, that's right that you are taking responsibility, that's wonderful. And I hope and I'm sure that that taking responsibility is balanced with and in the context of a wonderful and deep trust in God. I hope that this message has helped you and I hope that this message from Proverbs chapter 3 and chapter 6 is a message which you might pass on to somebody else. You might meet somebody in the next week or two and you think, well, actually, that was a really important message for this person. You might even pray that God would give you an opportunity to share this message with somebody else. Show them these verses from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him and he'll make your paths straight. Or you might need to say, you need to be polite about this one, but go to the ant, you slacker. <laughs> I'd, I'd put that politely if I were you. Have you ever considered what we can learn from the, from the humble ant? rather than using the word slacker. But uh, there's the message. Trust in God and take responsibility. Do things for God at the same time trusting in him. I hope that's a useful message for you and also for others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the practicality of the Bible. We thank you that in the Bible you encourage us to trust you with all our heart and in all our ways. And we thank you that you also encourage us in the Bible to take responsibility for ourselves and for the world around us. 
Please help us to get this balance right. Please may our trust in you not reduce our sense of responsibility for the world, but also may we not be so responsible for the world that we forget to trust you. So, please help us to trust you and to be wise in working for you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.